we have over the last um, few weeks, really since the early, early July, uh, tried to raise questions that we, uh, as Christians and as people um, around us who don't share the same faith commitment that we do, ask and uh, and bring up questions of of uh, about about our faith. Uh, we've talked about over the last few weeks evil and God. How does how do we explain and understand evil in this world? and yet a God who's good. Uh, we've talked about the, the Bible as God's word. How is it that uh, we can hold to the fact that God truly speaks through and has historically spoken through his word and still communicates to us? Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, God being angry and uh, why it's actually a good thing that God isn't just impassive, but that God cares and is angry at the brokenness around us. And we also looked at and talked about the first week, why, why so much blood? As you read the Bible, there's a lot of blood, and tried to explain what that blood means and, and why it's there and, and how we, should, we can interact with that. Um, probably today is probably um, potentially the most offensive question. Uh, it could be that, uh, as I mentioned, you'll go, oh, not that one. Um, it could be that you've uh, encountered other people uh, saying, I don't believe in Christianity. I think this is, is inappropriate that you Christians believe this. And so, on the other hand, if you ask questions and you don't tackle the hard ones, or at least try, then why ask at all? The goal is to, let, is to create a space and place in, in this community, but also beyond in which we can ask questions in which we sometimes don't have to know the answers or don't have to feel completely comfortable uh, with it that we can continue to seek. Uh, one thing you may have learned as you ask some of these questions is uh, it raises more questions. You might get an answer to your question, but you have five more questions. That's called growth. It's a good thing. Don't be afraid. Um, but today we, we want to talk about uh, the, one of the claims of Christianity, and it's, you, you heard it right in the middle of the Scripture. Jesus said that, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if he had said that, we would have gone, well, I can, I can handle that. That's good. But he, then he goes on and says, no one comes to the Father but through me. And as modern people, we go, oh, you can't do that. Don't you know, Jesus? There's all kinds of different perspectives and religions and ideas. You're being exclusive, which may work for you as a Jew, but come on. And that claim is a very challenging claim in our day and age, in our time. As our world gets, world gets smaller and we understand that there are other religions and what those religions uh, believe and talk about, the questions start to form in our head. What about those who haven't heard about Jesus, if he's the only way? Is it fair that they miss God because they just hadn't heard? Because they were ignorant of who Jesus was? Isn't it arrogant for, for uh, Christians to believe that they're the only ones that have the truth about God? Isn't that the height of arrogance? And why can't God allow sincere, and sincere, excuse me, sincerity of belief to be what matters most? Can't it be that if you really believe, and if you're really practicing, that that's really what is important, and not the content of your belief? Why, God? Why would Jesus make such a claim? And the questions keep coming. And sometimes the answers are not very fulfilling for us. I want to give you some thoughts and some ideas, some ways to think about, about this. And I, I have to say, um, I don't, my goal is not to expect you or to say, okay, we all have to believe what Paul believes or what Paul's saying. 
Uh, those of you who have been around All Nations Church know that's not the goal. The goal is that we think together and that we raise questions and that we, we hopefully grow in our uh, process of coming to know what we believe and what truth is. But yet we confront the realities of the words of Jesus and not just pretend that it was never said. The first thought is this, is that the religions have something very much in common is that all religions say that there is something wrong with the world and with us, don't they? Whatever religion, that, there's no religion that I know of, at least historically it's been around for a long time, that says everything's fine, no problem, you're good. You know, every religion is saying that there's something wrong with the world and there's a way to fix it. That way may be through meditation. It may be through keeping certain regulations. It may be in terms of living under submission. It may be in terms of receiving Christ. But they all the major religions have that in common. And all religions give, to be very honest, exclusive answers on how to fix the problem. They do. They don't just say, here's the problem, and, and I hope you figure it out. I hope it works for you. They all answer the question of, how do you fix this? What's wrong and how can you fix what's wrong? What needs to be done? In our culture, it's very common to believe what I kind of uh, describe as the, the idea that uh, all, all roads on the mountain lead to God. So it doesn't make any difference what path you take. As long as you take a path, sincerely, somehow, you'll, lead, you'll come to God. But you know what? There is no major religion at all that suggests that that's true. It may make us feel better. But that's not what any of the religions, whether it's Islam, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, Shintoism, that's not, that's not what they say. Every religion has to try to explain the big questions of life. Where do we find meaning? What's the purpose of everything? What's wrong with the world and what's wrong with people? What can be done? How do we do it? What's our part as humanity to fix it? And although they have similar teachings, you'll find if you look at Christianity and Islam or Christianity and Buddhism, you'll find some similarity of teachings, but you'll find often the solution is different. They're not the same. And to say that they're the same is really, in my perspective, disrespectful to Islam or to Buddhism or to some other religions. And I think sometimes we want them to be the same because we want to feel good about it. We want to feel like we brought harmony as opposed to saying, no, they're different, and they're different. Let's just be honest. They're different. So claims about truth are not solely a Christian phenomenon. Christianity is not the first religion that says, this is what's wrong and this is how you fix it. It's true in all the religions. And I think it's just important to say that because I think sometimes we can get maybe... uh, pressure from people that it's just Christianity that has exclusive answers. And it's not. It's one of the many major religions that has says this is the solution to what's wrong. The second reality in terms of trying to, I think, understand this statement when Jesus says, you no one comes to the Father but through me, is this, is that we as Christians take our cue from what Jesus himself said, that he is the way to God. It's not as if there was a committee of, of Christians that said, okay, what, what sh- how should we do this? I know, let's make Jesus the only way. Let's make Jesus make this statement. No, he said this statement on his own. John 14, which was read, is one of the many places where Jesus claims unique and exclusive access to God. Thomas says, we don't know the way. We don't know where to go where you're going, Jesus. And he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
His claim was not that he taught the truth or that he taught us to go on the way. His claim is that I am that way. You get there through me and with me. And his claim ultimately that he was the only way to God the Father. He is saying to us that if you come with me and follow me and embrace me, I will lead you to the Father. But I am the only guide that can take you to where the Father is. Those are his claims, not ours. His words. And yet the early church and the church really throughout the centuries has affirmed that that's what Jesus said. In in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. The disciples are talking to the Sanhedrin. They said, there is salvation, there is rescue in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, but that of the name of Jesus Christ. And they affirmed that claim before the Jews, and it made them extremely angry, angry because they said, you Christians, you're, you're blaspheming God. You're dishonoring God by making this Jesus the way. And so the Jews were angry with him on one side, and then guess what? The Romans were angry on the other side. Because they said, you know, we have all kinds of gods and you just want to have this one God. You know what they called the Christians? Really interesting. They said, you Christians are atheists. You don't believe in God. It's so funny historically to think the different charges that have been made. You, you only believe in Jesus as the way, not in all these other gods. You atheists. And as you know, there was a period of time in which many Christians were killed because they said Jesus is Lord alone. He's the way to God. And they gave their lives. And so the church has picked up that affirmation throughout the centuries and said, we don't understand all of it. We don't make sense of all of it. And yet Jesus, more than once, makes the claim, I am the way to God, and I am the only way to God the Father. So we as Christians echo that. We don't do it out of disrespect. We do it out of loyalty to God and out of love for who he is and what he's done. And we trust God to be true in what he tells us. Not an easy place to be. Maybe you've been a Christian in a conversation. Maybe some of you right now are kind of squirming and go, I don't like this, Paul. Sorry. It is something we have to think about because it is something that Jesus said. I think oftentimes, to be very honest, there is a lot that God has said and God is doing that, to be very honest, we don't understand. It doesn't make sense. We, we don't understand. We may ask the question of, what about those who haven't heard? And... I don't have an answer for that, apart from this, is that the God that Jesus teaches is a God of love and mercy, and a God who seems to have cleared every barrier away from from life with God apart from ourselves. And so that suggests to me that if someone sincerely seeks, really wants to know God and life, that in some way, shape, or form, God is capable of making that aware to them, no matter what culture they came from, no matter where they've been brought up, no matter what they were taught. How he works that out, that's his business, not mine. And yet what I know is this, is that God says to us, Jesus is the way. And so we can decide, well, I don't like that, so I'm going to plan on some other plans, and I don't think that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to listen and live by God's plan and says, God, if you want to to enlighten me that you're doing something different later on, great, because you're God, and you can do that. But I will follow and trust in what I know, even though it's sometimes hard. 
The third reality, I think, is, is this about this claim, is that the reality of us as people. Um, we're uh, inconsistent upon the idea of exclusivity. For the most part, I think we don't like to hear that something is exclusive, that this is the only way. This is all there is. But sometimes we gladly accept it, and we angrily um, reject those who say it isn't, something isn't exclusive. Um, in the realm of beliefs, where there's competition, society rejects ex- being exclusive, an exclusive claim like this. Society rejects it as being very dangerous. But in other realms, we accept it happily, even suggesting that those who don't believe in something being exclusive are inappropriate and actually dangerous. Let me give you an illustration. Um, imagine this. Imagine if a scientist came up with, um, next week, a pill. That this pill, if taken, could erad- would eradicate all cancer. And that if you took this pill, it would eradicate any cancer that you had in your body now. It would protect you for your whole life. And you only have to take it once. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't other treatments that kill cancer cells. But they cannot promise to keep you cancer-free. But this pill can I think we would hardly go and say to this person, well, that is the height of arrogance. (laughs) That you have the exclusive pill that that heals and brings life. You may die of something else, but not of cancer. That's arrogant. It's not arrogant if it's true. And it's not arrogant if it rescues. You know what I think if that happened? You know what we would do? Wouldn't we rejoice? Wouldn't we go, this is amazing. This is a wonderful moment. We wouldn't go, well, you, you... you have exclusive, you know, uh, offer. We don't like that. We like choice. Yeah, drug companies, they, that's right. <laughs> well, hopefully this guy patents it and gives it away, right? So, you know, keeps it, keeps it cheap. Who knows? Uh, that has happened, but, you know, drug companies don't always do that. But you get the point, I hope, is that sometimes something being exclusive is not wrong or bad. That it's the only way isn't the negative. And so, as people, sometimes we're inconsistent about how we think about things being exclusive or non-exclusive. So sometimes we rejoice in a type of salvation, this kind of salvation away from cancer that is exclusive, and sometimes we reject it because we don't like things being exclusive. But one thing you can say about us humans is we are consistently inconsistent, aren't we? It's the nature of who we are. Sometimes we like something, sometimes we don't. The fourth reality is this, is I think without understanding the whole of what God is doing, it's very hard to understand the parts. Without understanding and seeing the big picture of what does is, what is the Bible say, what does God say is wrong with the world, and how is he meeting that need, it's hard to make sense of it. God says this is the problem. Everything and everyone has fallen from their created place with God. Everyone is alienated. Everything is broken. We're no longer living or thinking or loving as God intended. That brokenness results in alienation. Where there once was love, now there's fear. Where we once loved God and gave ourselves to him, we are now afraid that he might get too close to us. That alienation and that brokenness cannot be fixed by humans, but by God alone. That's what the scriptures say. We can't fix it. And as people, that's a very difficult place to be because we are used to fixing most of the problems of life, or at least trying. God's solution is this, that God sends Jesus to be that fix. 
to show the way, to impart life and truth. John 3.16 says this, that God so loved the world. And by the way, that phrase there is the evil world. Not just, you know, the created order, but the world that has gone wrong. God so loved it that he gave his son. That whoever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is God's solution to that world. And then God extended that offer to all. To all who would believe and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And as I mentioned before, every, he took away every barrier apart from us. And he said to those who embrace this and believe this, take this message to the end of the world because it's so important that all people need to know that there is a cure, that there's life. What is the salvation that God has given us? You, you know, if you, if you study religions a little bit, you'll find that the salvation that they offer is, all, is very different, actually. The, the, the problem is different, but also how they are providing for this rescue is very different. And God's rescue is this. He frees us from sin. He frees us by forgiving us. He restores us to a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. He calls us to invite Jesus to be our leader, the one who leads us into the right way, who leads us into truth, and who gives us real and full life. That's salvation. He gives us an expectation of a future in which everything that is now broken and everything that we long for one day will be and more. That's the salvation that God offers to us. And that Jesus is that solution. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The one way to come to God. Let me give you an illustration that I think has helped me and maybe put uh, in to perspective sometimes what we are asking of God when we say, I don't like the way, the one way that you've given through Jesus Christ. Imagine, if you would with me, a, a large and raging river. On, and on, on one side is God, and the other side is us. And on the side that we're on, um, we were doing some things we shouldn't do and have created a blazing fire. And that blazing fire is coming and pushing us towards the edge of that river. To jump into the river is to die. Because of the swiftness of that river, we, we won't make it. And yet there is no way across that, there's no way across that river to safety to God. And so by the grace and kindness and goodness of God, God makes a bridge so that we can cross over to him. Now, can you imagine this group of people who are on the side where the, the flames are coming toward them, complaining and saying this, just one bridge? That's it? I, we prefer God. We would prefer two or three bridges, God. And, and we would like one with a nice covering on top, and, and their the, the colors are all wrong, God. And, and unless we have multiple bridges, God, we, we won't go across this bridge because we insist on many ways to safety. We might protest that, you know, we won't cross any bridge that we haven't approved and made with our own hands. Therefore, this bridge is inadequate to meet our needs. Or we can cross in thankfulness and in humility that we had a need we could not fix and that God provided a way and that we invited other people to know about that way. Jesus is God's way. It may not be culturally correct, but the scriptures say that it's true. Why did God make only one way back to him, back to life? I don't know. I really don't. 
But I do know this, that John 3 tells us that when God made a way, he did it because he loved. And I take from that that if it was more loving and merciful of God to make many different ways to come back to him, that he would have done it. But it must be based on the scriptures that the most loving way for God to rescue us and return us is through Christ, through the one way. I don't always understand that. It raises and leaves me with lots of questions. But as with many things, I come back and say, God, I don't understand, but I trust. I don't know how this works together. And I have many questions, but in the end, I will look to you and I will obey you. And if you do this in some other way, then that's great. But I will not try to make up ways for you to do what you said you would do. I'm just thankful that God made a way for me and invited me back. And I'm challenged by the fact that God now calls me to tell others that there is a way, that there is a bridge, and that we can walk over to life and to safety. You know, being exclusive can be a good thing or a bad thing, but God's invitation through Christ, it's a good thing, not something for us to turn away from. My prayer is that we will embrace it, even though we do not deserve it. That we may extend it to others, even though we don't understand everything about it. Let us not see Jesus as just a means to an end, as a way to get over the bridge, away from from the danger into safety, but may we see him as one who brings us into a deep relationship with God, who we can know now, but also who has provided us an incredible future. Let us know that that relationship is not just for us, but for all humanity. And may we with humility say, there is a way. Listen, embrace, follow. Find life. Find truth. Find Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, so often um, we have questions and the answers are less than what we'd hope. Sometimes in your word you tell us things and we are very grateful, but oftentimes some of the questions we have are not answered. And so, Lord, help us to continue to walk in faith that what you not only tell us is true, but that the things we can't understand or can't figure out that you as God have covered. Help us to be those who live the truth with humility and not with arrogance, not with a sense of superiority at all, but with glad hearts who are ready to share. And thank you that even with our questions, We can trust in your love and your mercy. Know that your truth will give us life. Help us, each one, to find that way, which is Jesus, and to embrace him with all that we are. Thank you for coming, for leading us. Help us to be those who share that truth. We give you thanks for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.